When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, it's Ellis. Before we get into today's Orange and Brown Talk podcast, I want to tell you how you can get signed up for Football Insider. Visit cleveland.com slash browns and click the blue banner at the top of the page. That'll give you exclusive access to content, a daily newsletter, and insider text messages from myself, Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, and Scott Pascoe. Everyone expects this to be a memorable Brown season. Make the most of it by becoming a Football Insider subscriber. All right, let's get to the show. And here we go, week two of our Browns preview. It is Texans week here as the Houston Texans. They want to know Houston Texans, as Kevin Stefanski likes to say, uh, coming to town. I joked with somebody recently that he's going to have the Texans as a Super Bowl pick by the end of the week here. He's talked to them up so much, along with Tyrod Taylor. So uh, we'll, we'll kind of see how that all goes. But Browns-Texans, let's preview the game the way we did last week. We're going to throw out over-unders or predictions, anything like that, and then stick around at the end, and we will do – uh, our game prediction. So Doug, go first. Okay. I, I put a lot of research into this. I really wanted to try to be unique and try to figure, you know, find something that maybe no other people will be talking about this week. I'm going to say that Baker Mayfield is going to throw for 350 yards, which is the same thing I said last week. And I didn't quite happen a week ago. He got to 321, but I don't know if people know this about me, but my instinct is to be a contrarian. So there's a part of me that's like, I think they're going to be 13 and four, but originally early in the week, you know, I was like, okay, well, they, they played well against the chiefs in a lot of ways, but maybe they're going to come into this Texans game and still be like a little bit of a slog or whatever. And this, I've changed my mind on that. I do think as we sort of broached the topic earlier in the week, that this is like, here we go time. And this might be the blowout that, people have been waiting for and we have seen it at times and I just think maybe even without Odell Baker comes out and just throws it around the yard because I do think there is something to be gained for them long term by doing that right we know they can run but let's continue to try to see them push the envelope on that and I guess you know like the Texans stink the Texans stink right I mean they literally last week the Browns played the best team in the AFC and the Texans played the worst team in the AFC. So let's not fool ourselves. Baker rips them apart over 350. He was 29 yards short last week. I bought all in on the over last week and Doug, I am abandoning you this week. I'm abandoning you. I'm leaving you on the over 350 Island. Not high school girlfriend, high forward. school girlfriend flashback mode for Doug right now. Let me tell you. Sorry. I'm Abandoned Any, after a week. Okay, I'm okay. Anybody going over 350 for Baker? Hmm. I mean, it, it obviously could happen. I do agree that, um, you know, that this is just – I'm just not taking the Texans that seriously. I mean, maybe I need to hang out with Kevin Stefanski a little bit more this week and get pumped up uh, for this game and for this opponent because I'm just not feeling it. I am not feeling it. After coming away from watching what the Browns did in Kansas City, I just feel like uh, the Texans are, don't have a chance. 
and uh, the land of, of misfit Browns players over there. I, I just don't think they're, they're going to cut it. Um, so I could, I could easily see Baker getting 350. And um, yeah, I, I think this has a chance to be a blow up. So I'm with you on this one, Doug. If for people who don't think it, is it because you think the Browns won't steamroll the Houston defense? Or do you think it's because that's not what Kevin Stefanski wants to do this week and they're just going to attack him on the ground and it's not going to be an air raid? For, for me, it's, I don't, the only time he threw for a ton of yards were games where he really had to. Now they came out and threw a little more against the Titans, but that, you know, the 75 yard at Donovan Peoples-Jones helped push him over 300 yard uh, plateau in that game. Uh, so I don't see it happening. I don't think they don't have to throw like that. And I don't think Stefanski this year is going to want him to throw like that just to do it. Uh, I'm still expecting them to run more in this game. Yeah, I lean with Scott here. This is a team that is going to continue to be balanced. Uh, we, we saw that in the first half. Uh, one of my props has to do with that, and, and I'm excited to see what you guys think of it. And Scott's right. This is he's not going to be in a situation where he's going to be down and I'm not sure when he's going to be in that spot all year. You think of a, a Minnesota Vikings team that has a, a similar molded offense and you only really see Kirk Cousins throw like that, uh, like in week one, uh, when the team's behind and, and they need to make up ground and you don't really see that happening. It's definitely against Houston. And on this schedule, this seems like a, a continued attack uh, that they had last year with a, a real 50, 50 split. I'm just, I am very interested in the idea of, yes, we don't need to, but we want to, because we think there's a long-term benefit to pushing it in the passing game, because then when we get in certain situations, when we do need it, we'll perhaps be better prepared for it. So I am, I don't know, you guys would know better than I, but the idea of Kevin Stefanski wanting to get out of his comfort zone in a game where, not that you take it for granted, but you think maybe you have some room to experiment before you get to the Steelers later in the year, right? And it's like, hey, if we need it, do we have it? Well, we'd have this to fall back on. I'm just really curious about that. It could be completely off that why Kevin Stefanski got this far doing what he does. They have these great running backs and spread offensive line. Why, what, why are you trying to mess with that? But I, I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind leaning into that because you know the other thing is there. I I feel like I have an explanation, but I don't want to get too into it because it might just go with some of my other, my game prediction and, and also maybe my, one of my predictions that I'm going to throw out there. So I think over the course of this pod, I might make my cases why I'm not going over 350. Although I'll say this, Doug, if you were like a bookmaker and you put it at like 300, that would be pretty tempting, I think, for some people. Yeah, yeah no, I, I break one. Yeah, right. And, and some of these, yeah, sometimes it's like, hey, what was one of them? I don't know, crossing route to Anthony Schwartz and ran 90 yards. You know, they hit a screen to Kareem Hunt. He ran 75 yards. There's some of that too. Yeah, no, I, this is definitely not a 50-50 chance of this happening. But I do, I, I would like, uh, I would be really curious if they tried it. No, I, okay. I, think, I think there is something to be said for, uh, I understand what you're saying, sort of, Using it as a warm-up. I mean, tune up your passing game and see what you got and try some things that you know might not happen against a much better football team. I mean, you know, air it out. You know, try, try some trick plays. I mean, let 
you know, let Jarvis throw a touchdown pass or try, uh, you know, try some, some crazy things that you might not want to try against the Steelers or, or another good defense. So I, I do think that there would be something to be said for just airing it out in this game. Although we did see a lot of that stuff against the Chiefs, right? Yeah. I know took plays. Landry was going to throw a pass. Uh, a crazy lateral thing at the end. <laughs> yeah, and, and you saw a lot of the same Baker Mayfield versus the Chiefs. Uh, some stats for you. He was 9-9 nine and nine on play action, 17.8 uh, yards per attempt. And then on non-play action throws, 12-19. and 19, And that goes down to 8.5 yards per play. So this is a team win in – obvious passing situations still don't have it ironed out and perhaps the Texans are, are a chance to get it figured out. And also I think Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to go into Kevin Stefanski's office and say, man, Scott Patsko has been talking all week about how I only got one target. I need the ball more. And Stefanski will be like, you know what? We need to throw it more. We got you, DPJ. <laughs> all right, who's got another one? Uh, I, I can go. Um, I have an over-under, actually. And it's going to be the number of touchdowns given up in coverage by former Browns on Sunday. And we all know the Texans are full of former Browns. Terrence Mitchell, Eric Murray, Christian Kirksey should all start and play a lot on defense. So you got three prime candidates there to give up touchdowns on defense. Kirksey was in coverage a ton for them. He's playing, well, he's one of two, two linebackers basically on the field most of the time for them. Obviously Eric Murray could find himself matched up with, uh, in the slot quite a bit, um, and Terrence Mitchell on the outside against you know, whoever. I'm going to set it at 2.5. This might go against my whole Baker's not going to throw for 350, but I think you could still get three touchdowns and not be airing it out you know, all game. Uh, now, he did throw three or more touchdowns three times last season, just twice in the regular season. But uh, I'm going with the over there. I, I think – I think he gets uh, at least three. Now, this could be like Eric Murray allowing two and Kirksey one. Yeah, we might not really know the answer on this until PFF grading comes out and we see who they ding for touchdowns. You yeah, know, it might not be yeah. apparent as we watch it, but I think well, we'll just go with you're watching the game. You're like, wow, Mitchell just gave up a touchdown there. Well, I mean, you know that, uh, that they're going to try to get like David Njoku on Christian Kirksey, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we can kind of see that happening. And I think we are all uh, to the point now where we can see that uh, they really understand that David Njoku has taken his game up a notch and they're going to take advantage of that. He's coming down with the football when they throw it to him most of the time. And uh, so I could see that. Uh, David Njoku on Christian Kirksey TD. Um, yeah, let's go with a uh, – Let's go with like a Jarvis on Terrence Mitchell. I mean, those guys, uh, how many times have we watched them go at it in practice before the, pa- you know, before the play, during the play, and after the play? Uh, so, so that'll be interesting to watch that. And then um, Eric Murray, too. Um, maybe, maybe not on that one, but I, I think I'm going to go with the over on this one with you. I think this is going to be a big passing game for uh, Baker Mayfield, and, and I, I think they know some of this personnel, and they'll try to take advantage of it. Yeah, the infamous, uh, the infamous Terrence Mitchell throwing a ball at Jarvis Landry. Was that 2019 when, uh, when that little fight started? By the way, Eric Murray, sl- sneaky good locker room quote when he was here. Yes, very true. Um, very true. 
I'm going to take the under, just not because I don't think the Browns aren't going to score, but I'm not sure if it's all going to come against former Browns. So I think I'll say they get like T. Mitch for one and, I don't know, Murray for another, something like that. I mean, Murray's been playing free safety, and I guess Tavier Thomas is also hanging out there. If their they're starting slot corner gets hurt and they got to put Thomas in, then, you, then, then I think you might have to bump up the over-under. Are we going to track whether we're right or wrong with our predictions? Because who last week said Greg Newsom was going to have, like, no targets given up or whatever or no? What, did you, what was your prediction for Greg Newsom? Uh, Alice? Under, under three receptions, he allowed one. Travis Kelsey under 80 yards, 77. You knew Ellis <laughs> was tracking. I went one and one. I think I won my prediction, didn't I? Didn't I say something about fourth downs, that they were going to go for it? Yeah. I think you did yeah. say that. Everybody in the league went for it on fourth down. Yeah. But, like, yeah. I was all worried about Greg Newsom getting smoked last week, and, yeah, he gave up, he gave up one y- four yards on one catch. So, Greg Newsom uh, proved my worries incorrect. But – um, so I don't know. Like, I, it's like just, I think Baker's going to throw touchdown passes. It's just how PFF decides to blame guys. So that's a lot of guys, a lot of former Browns. Could any of those Browns, Mitchell, Murray, any of these guys, could they help the current Browns? Or is like the whole point that the Browns used to have guys like that. And now they have guys like Denzel Ward and John Johnson and Grant Delpit and Ronnie Harrison and Greg Newsom. And that's why they're better. And that's how you get better. You move out okay players and get in good players. Is that, that's the whole thing, right? Yep. That's a it. Of, a lot of one-year deals in Houston. I, yeah. I think Murray could help them right now because his ability to play safety and, and in the slot and having that guy as a backup who's versatile, um, maybe having him out there instead of MJ Stewart last week. Uh, not saying he would have made a play to save the day or anything, but uh, he – comes with more experience, I think. Um, so that's probably the only guy on the list, though. Yeah, I mean, like, Javier helps you as a gunner, maybe. Um, now we're talking. I don't know. <laughs> Is Kurtzy willing to be an extra linebacker? St- I mean, stuff like that. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of the only case you could make, I think. Uh, All right. To, to, real, to answer this question, I haven't, I haven't given my uh, response. Um, Jaguars were one and one in the red zone last week. Uh, I think the Browns uh, don't have any issue moving between the twenties, smoothing that out. And then this will be a Baker Mayfield red zone game. So I'll take the over uh, in a Baker throwing for three or four scores. And and we're going to see that fine tune red zone offense uh, because the Browns will be down there a lot. Okay. I'm going to go to the running game here. So this is in direct contrast with Doug's. Uh, We're going to talk about Nick Chubb. Uh, Nick Chubb has gone over 125 yards six times in his career. So over under Nick Chubb, 125 rushing yards on Sunday. I'll go first. I'll take the under. What I'm realizing about this offense, uh, again, because one of my questions has to do with touches, is Nick Chubb's best chances of eclipsing, really his only chance of eclipsing 100 yards in any given game is going to be by breaking off a 40 or 50 yard run. There's just not enough ball to go around. Uh, The Browns don't play a fast break style of offense. If you will, these drives are closer to 
seven, eight to double digit type plays rather than quick striking and getting the ball back. And then their defense plays in a bend, but don't break type of mentality that uh, enables quick passing and and longer drives for the offense. So there's just not enough volume for Nick Chubb to be a 22 carry 120 yard type of back unless he breaks one which we know he's more than capable uh, but because those are so difficult to predict and happen about five or six times a year it, I'm going to take the under on any time Nick Chubb is over 100 yards it's going to be an under for me yeah I think I'm going to go under on this one too uh, I think in part because in a game like this I don't think they feel like they need to run Nick Chubb into the ground uh, and I think that they want to make sure uh, that they're, they're being cognizant of the fact that they have to get to week 13 until they get a bye. And then they've got to get to, um, you know, a, through a 17-game season and then playoffs. So unless he rips off a couple of long runs, which is obvious because I think uh, that they would like to give him uh, a breather occasionally by using Kareem so I'm going to go under. Yeah, I'm going to go over. Ripping off big runs is what he does uh, better than almost anybody else in the league. He had 22 carries against the Bengals in week two last year, 19 against Washington the following week, um, 19 against Houston, which we know the weather was, was a factor there. Uh, so I'm going to go over. I think he has a big day. I think he busts a couple of those and, uh, and kind of racks up the yards. I don't know Doug. if there's room for my thing and Dan's thing, so I have to go. I have to go with. <laughs> That's my what I'm thing. saying. It's in direct contrast. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, unless guys... they put up 500 yards of offense as a team, which I don't know. I mean, they also might do that. How, how does it look if I take the under on my own, my own property? <laughs> That's fine. I think That's what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to take the under on it. Uh, and again, I might get into this a little bit later as as I kind of talk about how this game could play out. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, Nick Chubb has broken off a bunch of big runs in his career, and yet he's only gone for 125 six times. So, yeah, I, I don't know if he's, there's going to be that opportunity there. So I'll throw it out, and I will be bold and take the under. What is this? I'm going to throw it out. I'm going to predict that I'm going to win three Pulitzer Prizes in my career, but I'm going to take the under on that, on my own thing. Let's just throw out anything and then say, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, the formula right. the formula would be there for this for the Browns to get a lead and run Nick Chubb into the fourth quarter. But to Mary Kay's point and, and something I'm going to get to, it, it just doesn't seem like he's a 20 carry volume type of back as they just re-signed him and want him to play through this contract. All right, so Ellis, what's yours? Yeah, so in week one, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt combined for 21 carries. Cream Hunt only getting six of those. Baker Mayfield completed 21 passes. So versus the Texans, more completed carries for Nick Chubb and Cream Hunt combined or more completions for Baker Mayfield. I'm taking combined carries of Cream Hunt and Nick Chubb. And this is more of a Kareem Hunt talking point. It, Kevin's got to find a way to keep him involved in this offense. Uh, two times in a row now, the game script and – some unpredictable events have have shifted the ball into Baker Mayfield's hands. And of course, in Nick Chubb's early Uh, establishing Kareem hunt, getting him 
to double digit touches by any means necessary, I think is important for this offense. And it starts this week in Houston. So combined carries, I think we get more from Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt than completions for Baker Mayfield. Mm, that's a good one. I like the 21, 21 thing. That's cool. Um, but I, I don't know. I feel like I still sort of feel like this is going to be a big passing opportunity for Baker. Okay. And so I think I'm going to go more than 21. I think I'm going to take Baker on this one in terms of throwing it around the yard a little bit. Yep. Ellis, like, do you think that you, the combined carries for those two could be like 34, you know, that like you really think, cause that's, it's one of those things. It's like, I would take Baker, but if you think, wow, well, Chubb's, I think Chubb's going to run it 17 times and, and, Hunt's going to run it 15 times and they're going to combine for 32. Then it's like, I don't know if Baker's going to throw it 32. You know what I mean? That, that it's uh, it depends how high you think the over I'll still take the quarterback number higher, but I'm curious where you think the actual running back number will land. I, I think that's a sweet spot right around 30 or 31. And again, this is a, a Browns offense that I just don't think has the volume and pays it plays with the pace that is going to allow Baker Mayfield to have, be a 30 completion in a game quarterback. They're not going to ask him to throw it 40 times. And, you know, unless we're looking at a, a – because I think we see more of a Baker having a Matthew Stafford type game from Sunday night, like a like a 21 for 24 performance against the Texans. I think this is an easy call for saying the under – or saying the Baker will not reach that because okay. you're right. The, the amount of targets he would need to get that high – uh, I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. And this team was really uh, almost even on run versus pass last season. Uh, and like we said already, I don't think this is going to turn into a game where Baker's got to start flinging it around unless they like Doug wants them to do come out and actually do that on purpose. So uh, yeah, I think Chubb and Hunt are going to have more carries than Baker has completions. And it probably won't be that close. I, I want to go. I want to go the other way. I want to say Baker completions, but I just think we're going to get to. It's just hard for me to kind of feel the way I feel about how this game will go, and then like not just assume the Browns are going to be running the clock out, mm-hmm. at least in the back half of the fourth quarter. And, and part of me, I agree, Dan. Part of me thinks Kevin doesn't give a. He's one of these coaches that doesn't give a rip how they win. They're going to show up get a 17 point lead by halftime and, and ride that out. I understand the, the, the chess involved in, in trying to have some second order thinking in a game and prepare for week three and week four while you're in the, towards the end of week two. Uh, but this seems like a, a week by week type of approach by the Browns, knowing their eyes is on a prize that sits in November and December. And if, if they're riding a double digit lead into the fourth quarter, you're going to see even more of cream hunt. All right, Wait, yes, huh? there, there's, there's something else to consider here, too. You know what? These guys are going to have to play really good team defense, the Texans, if they want to slow down the Browns. And that's one thing I wonder about. Lovey Smith is a good defensive coordinator. Yeah. And now they were playing the Jaguars, so we have to keep that in mind. But they do emphasize taking the ball away. And so, I, you know, I think that could be a factor in this game when we look at how much of anything that's going to happen on offense. I do wonder – if, um, if they're not going to surprise us just a little bit with playing some sound defense and some takeaway ball. And the other thing, we don't actually know if, like, Houston has a good run defense 
because Jacksonville just didn't run the football. They threw it like 51 times. And I th- I'm looking it up here. They only ran 16 times. And one of those was Trevor Lawrence. And one of those was to a wide receiver. So we don't actually know if the Texans have a, a good run defense or not. I, I do feel like this game, and I've sort of danced around this, it wouldn't surprise me if this game looks a little bit like the Giants game last year. Now, I don't think it'll be – the Giants game wasn't close, but I don't think it will be as close as the Giants game was. This could be just a really boring Browns go out, take care of business type game. And they did throw a lot in that Giants game last year. They threw, I think Chubb only had 15 carries is what I saw when I was looking at his game log. So that was a game where they relied on Baker on the short, the quick short passing game. And they just sort of put the Giants and the Sunday night football audience to sleep and just kind of taking care of business in that game, which is sort of how I feel this one might end up going for the most part. So that, that could be a scenario where maybe they do throw, where you see more Baker completions than uh, Chubb and Hunt rushing attempts. But I just think that fourth quarter is going to be mm-hmm. run out the clock, hand the ball off to Kareem Hunt, let him finish the job. My question okay. is, if they're ahead by 21, why not use a fourth quarter to have Baker rip some throws to Anthony Schwartz and see how things go? You know what I mean? Like Again, it's like, it's like, like anti-everything, but – you like use Nick Chubb to run out the clock when you're trying to beat the Steelers 17-14. If you're up by 21 on Houston, eh, fling it around. Let's get some Njoku some free yards. I don't know, man. Let's get out. We're talking about how there's not enough balls to go around. Let's fling it. Let's make everybody be happy in the fourth quarter. Harrison Bryant, come aboard, man. DPJ, you don't have to go. Scott Patsko's got your back, but so do I. Here's a freebie touchdown, man. Keep rolling those dice. Kev, come on. Can man. you imagine the national narrative if the Browns started flinging it, like throwing deep downfield and they're up by three touchdowns late in the game? Oh. Like ESPN would like get a whole week's worth of content uh, on their debate shows out of that. You know, but I think if you think back to last year, the games where the Browns came out and threw those haymakers early in games were when they were playing good teams, right? Dallas. Now, Dallas ended up not being good, but we thought, hey, Dallas might be good at the time. Tennessee, uh, you know, Baltimore was a shootout. So, so that one maybe doesn't count, but like, you know, the other games, like the two Bengals games were kind of back and forth, especially that second one. So they just had to kind of, it was a track, meet. but there were a lot of times last year where the, when the Browns were the better team, they just kind of went out and just sort of took care of business. Like they didn't, they didn't get real fancy. They didn't get real complicated. Yeah. And I could see that being uh, look and you, and you fall into a, a bit of a lull here the, like the extreme spectrum we're, we're seeing the Browns prepare for a Kansas City game that has playoff implications or even in week one and feels like an atmosphere like that and now you're going all the way down to the Texans so there might just be a natural needing to get your team going and and they don't come out um, with that type of urgency Dan I, I could see that I th- I th- we'll see some fireworks early in the game because there's going to be 70,000 people there. And I, I mean, I do think we'll see some fireworks early, but I, I don't know if it'll keep up over. Right. I don't know if it'll be a four quarter party necessarily <laughs> in that regard. All right, Mary Kay, what do you have for us? Uh, I'm going to go with Brandon cooks and um, well, first let me say, I want to hold myself accountable for last week. I did not make either of my two predictions. So I was over two. Um, you got, I know I was going for 
bold prediction. So I added a little spice and hyperbole in there a little bit just for fun. Uh, so I picked Miles Garrett, three sacks. Maybe not such a crazy thing considering that they had all these new linemen starting their first game. Uh, so he fell short of that by two. And then Anthony Schwartz, I predicted, would get some kind of a touchdown. Uh, and he didn't. But nevertheless, uh, he had a pretty good game, three catches for 69 yards. Uh, but once again, I came up short on both of my predictions. So I'm 0 for 2 if we're keeping score at home. Um, I'm going to say that the Browns are going to hold Brandon Cooks under 100 yards in this game. I'll take that. Tyrod Taylor throwing the ball to him. There aren't a ton of weapons there. Texans kind of seem like they want to run the ball a little bit. I'll, I'll take that under. Can I say that this is a Texans-Browns game, and you said the name Brandon, and my body convulsed because I thought you were going to say Brandon Whedon. And I was like, <laughs> is he still around? What are we talking – Brandon who? So yes, He's still under the flag. He never got out. <laughs> So uh, I was so thrown. I was just looking up Brandon Whedon on, on my Google. And uh, I'm just going to agree with whatever Mary Kay said, because I don't actually know what the point was. I'm still, my body is viscerally <laughs> relax, reacting <laughs> to the Brandon Whedon thoughts in my head. So I'm pretty intrigued how they decided to cover Brandon Cooks in this game. I wrote that they're very different players to him and Tyree Kill, but have similar skill sets. And what I mean by that is, Brandon Cook could have an opportunity to carve up the underneath coverage again, like Tyree Kill did. Uh, he's made a living off getting behind defenders, them knowing that you get that soft coverage and he can just throttle it down quickly and, and find some of that intermediate work. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, of course, is nowhere near Patrick Mahomes, but this is going to be a decent measuring stick on how the Browns handle uh talented receivers number one guys outside of Tyree Kill I, I want to see Denzel Ward ha have a have a sharper game and, and them just not allow free releases to speedsters like that uh, it, it's it's going to be a matchup I'm watching um, I'll take the under because I believe in Denzel in the system but we're at an interesting place where some panic flags could go off if we see Brandon Cooks you know go six for 110 in a score I'm going to take the over because I think he's going to see a lot of targets. He had seven targets yeah. for five catches, 132 yards in a game that they won comfortably. Uh, and I think they're going to have to throw a lot. I think he's it's just going to be, you know, quantity of, of targets and catches getting in there. Okay. Uh, I, I came up with one. Does anybody else, do you guys each have second ones? I got one more. I'll, I'll go quick. Okay, go uh, we've got Gr Greg Newsom is heading into, heading into this. Go ahead, Ellis. Um, did Mary Kay say something? What about Greg Newsom? I, uh, just, oh, I was just, I was, I was going to say Greg Newsom uh, is going into this game with a biceps injury in terms of our uh, Brandon Cook's discussion, but he's supposed to play. So I think he'll be fine. And I, you know, I, I don't think that'll be a factor. It's not like he's not going to be out there. Yep. And, okay. and Greedy Williams only, uh, tw I think, tw like 12 snaps uh, last week. So it'll be interesting to see if he's able to be sprinkled in a little more. Sticking with the defense, um, 
So in week one, the Browns defense allowed nine of 13 third downs to the Kansas City Chiefs at 69%. The Texans offense converted 12 of 21 third downs versus Jacksonville. That's 57%. So on Sunday, my prediction is the Browns defense steps up and holds the Texans offense under a 30% conversion rate on third down. Because to, to me, this is a game where you're, you have a dominant front you have to come out and show that, and you just put – you stomp out a lesser opponent. Mm-hmm. Again, we're running a spectrum of Kansas City all the way to the Houston Texans. Go out and dominate. It, it, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean you need to generate a bunch of turnovers. It, it doesn't mean you need to limit their yards. It means get off the field on third down. They couldn't against Kansas City, and, and now they need to against Houston. Well, they couldn't really do that against anybody last season. eight or nine new starters that's the point better you know what ellis i'm gonna go i'm gonna i'm gonna go with you on this one i could see that happening if this isn't the kind of game that this overhauled revamped browns defense can't do something like that then you know why did you spend all that money and why did you spend those draft picks uh you know the first round and the second round so uh that's what you do it for to shut down an offense that is inferior. Also, you know, better offenses too, but one like this, you got to do that. So I'm going with you on this. I think I'm with Mary Kay here. Like the red flags that would come out of this game is if Terod Taylor and this offense just carves up the defense, right? We've, we've talked about the chiefs. Like you can't judge a defense against the chiefs. And there, there's certainly a case to be made that the defense was, I mean, they held Kansas City to 10 points in the first half, right? They got off the field a few times when they, needed, when they needed to. You just can't get carved up by Terod Taylor and the Houston Texans. You, you just can't. That, that would be concerning. Now, obviously, it's game two, so you got time to fix it. But that, that would be the one, the one scenario where I would come away thinking, all right, what, what's actually going on? Yeah, no, I, I don't even think you need – Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I don't even think you need to get that far. Like, he doesn't have to carve him, carve up the Browns for it to be a red flag. I think just giving him repeated opportunities and the offense repeated opportunities to, to potentially score by not getting off the field on third down, like just keeping the door open for a team that you should shut it on, uh, that would be a huge red flag for me. But so you may not talk about no, I think I said I agree because I was looking up my thing and I, I couldn't even follow the conversation exactly because they're going to – is the question is going to be the Browns are going to be good on third down, right? That's what I agree with, right? Yes. That's, I agree with everybody? Yeah. And, and well, can I, can I, to, Go ahead because I'm just sick of the Texans. I have a thing about how I'm sick <laughs> of the freaking Texans. But I don't want to interrupt anyone else's point. Then I'll, I then I'll wrap this up real quick. Uh, the Browns defense has a, has a two-way out here. And I'm intrigued to see what materializes more consistently is, are they getting off the field on third down because they're winning on first and second down and the Texans are facing third and 11, third and nine often, or does this defense step up situationally and get off the field in those third and fours and third and threes and third and fives. I'm not sure which one it's going to be, but we're going to learn a lot about what we think is a superior and upgraded Browns defense against a lesser opponent. Doug, I want to hear your rant. So anyway, this is the fourth time in five years that the Browns and the Texans have played each other. 
They played each other in 17-18 last year and this year. Please be done. Do we, we realize what this is? This is a third-place game because last year the Browns finished third at 11-5 and five, and the Texans finished third at 4-12. and 12. So it's like, well, better get the third-place teams to play each other. So they don't play the AFC South next year. Dear God, whatever happens, just don't have the Browns and the Texans finish at the same level in their divisions. Because, like, in the beginning, it was like, oh, my God, they're playing the Texans just to Sean Watson. And now it's like, oh, they're playing the Texans. So just be done. Just whatever they do, just come here and then don't come back for, like, five years. I'm sorry. There's going to be some ninth grader. Whoever the best ninth grade quarterback is in America, he should be Houston's quarterback the next time the Browns play them. We are done with this version of Houston football. When I first looked at this game on the schedule, of course, the first thing that came to my mind was Deshaun Watson because no matter how bad the Texans are, when you have to face Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, you just you have to give that some thought. But once he was out of the game, you know, it is the fourth preseason game to me. So it is a little hard to get excited about it. Right on the bulletin board, Mary Kay Cabot, fourth preseason game. Right <laughs> in the Texans locker room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fourth preseason game, homecoming game. How many ways can we insult the Houston Texans here on, uh, on this podcast? <sighs> I got one for you guys. Terod Taylor doesn't turn the ball over much. Just 20 interceptions in his entire career. And... The last interception he threw, now obviously he hasn't played all that many games recently, but the last interception he threw came in a Browns uniform at the Superdome against the New Orleans Saints uh, when he was intercepted during that 21-18 loss, the Zane Gonzalez game, if anybody remembers that one. Um, So over under, half an interception for Terod Taylor. Mm. I'm basically asking you, are the Browns going to pick up (laughs) Terod Taylor on Sunday? I think so. I think so. I think they're going to get one, and I think Troy Hill is going to get it. I don't know. I just feel feel it coming on. It's one of those situations where if we had open locker room, I probably would be telling Troy Hill, Troy, I know you're getting an interception in this game because I can usually predict those kinds of things. Yeah, I think the number of times they throw is going to factor into that. And I think – I mean, look, they could have had – they almost had – uh, at least one off Mahomes. MJ Stewart had a great opportunity. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go over, definitely. I'm going to do a little bait and switch here. No interception for Tyrod Taylor, but he does fumble on a Miles Garrett strip sack. So, it's still mm. a turnover. Mm. Doug, yeah, are I'll, getting him? I'll, I'll take the – yeah, that, that makes sense. The Browns, like – Browns go up 14 nothing. Texans are feeling a little bit. They feel like they got to throw the ball to catch up, and he starts forcing things. I think that makes sense. Yeah, I think they're going to get one. I'm taking the over. See, this one on mine, I'm taking the over here. So, see, I took an under on mine, and now I'm taking it over. Uh, did anybody else have any predictions they want to throw out before we get I, into the game? Yeah, I got, I got one more. Um, the over-under on how many pressures Miles Garrett's going to get, and I'm going to put it at six and a half. He had eight last week. Uh, now, they got Larry B. Tunsil, obviously, and uh, the ageless what, Marcus Cannon on the other side. Um, and last year, Garrett really – it was pretty even on which side he rushed from against the Texans. Uh, he only had – I think he had five pressures in that game. So, I'm going to say six and a half. I'm going to take the over. I think just the improvement across the board on the, on the defensive line is going to – it's going to create more opportunities for him again. 
six not talking and a sacks, half. but I'm talking pressures. pressures. Yeah. I see. This is tough because you got the mobile quarterback, so he might even yeah. run into a couple of those pressures. I mean, he had I eight against Mahomes. That's true. I think I'm gonna take the under here. I think it's gonna be spread out pretty evenly. I think that the Browns are going to be in the backfield a lot, but I'm going to take the under. It might land like right at six. Yeah, I'm going to take the under two. This is a Texans team that ran it 37 times. Anthony Walker called their backfield a four-headed monster with Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, David Johnson, and of course Tyrod Taylor had four carries for 40 yards. So I don't see them abandoning the run like Kansas City has been known to. Also, Mark Ingram, first running back over 30 years old to get 25 carries or more in a game since Adrian Peterson There's a in, when he was a Lion in 2018. So the only reason I know that is because of some Vikings Twitter stuff. But point being, they're going to run the ball. Even if they get behind, this is a, a team that with Tyrod Taylor will, will remain conservative. And when they do get behind – It'll it'll be too late to lack, rack up the pressures in that way. When you're not a throw first team, the pressures are harder to come by. And, and this is a, a Texans team with a nice balance, if not leaning to more towards the run. I feel like whenever teams have multiple guys out of position and you're calling them multiple headed, you have to call them a monster. Like they're a four-headed monster, but a monster <laughs> implies danger, right? What, we should have a word where it's like they have multiple guys, but none of them are good. So I'm going to call them a four-headed hamster. Then, oh, the Texans, they've got a four-headed hamster in the backfield. Like there's a lot of them, but they're just little-edged, soft, and furry, and you aren't going to hurt me, are you, Texans backfield? You know, because really, monster, for real, I don't even know who the third guy was that you said. I didn't hear anybody good. Mark Ingram was good a decade ago. He's – I'm just going to pet Mark Ingram. I'm not going to be scared of him. You know, I'm going to go. I, I like where you're going with this, Scott. I think I'm going to go with the. I think I'm going to go with the over uh, because I. I do think that. Um, I think Jadavian Clowney is going to be feeling better this week. I think he's going to be. Uh, I think he's going to be a little bit of a force as well. So they'll have to contend with a couple of different guys coming from a couple of different places. You got to pay some attention to Jadavian, which maybe that opens something up for Miles. Maybe it doesn't. But, um, but I think if he can get uh, that many against the Chiefs, that he should certainly be able to get. And they were really committed to trying to, to slow him down. Um, I think he should be able to get that, that many or more against the Texans. Okay, real quick, let's go around the horn here. Doug, we'll start with you. Browns favored by 12.5 points. The over-under is 47.5. Wow, I have the score in my head, and I'm like right on the over/under. I have 30. I'm actually going to change it. I have 36-13, which is like another Ooh. weird go for two because something happens kind of thing. 36-13. So I, it's a lot of points to give, but again, you know, it just they're they're coming off opposite ends of the spectrum uh, with what Houston and the Browns did last week. I think it's a time for the Browns to show who they are. I think it's an easy win. I think they keep the foot on the gas for a little while. And so it is, a, it is a scooch on the over, but I feel rather good about giving the points. I got 31-20 Browns, so that would be, sounds like a backdoor cover for the Texans and the under, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that would give you the over. Oh, it would give me the over. Okay. Okay. So, 31-20, yeah. Okay, so – yeah, I, I think that the Texans find a way to cover. But this will be a game where the Browns are just in, in control the whole time, and, and that 11 and, and a half is just a, a weird number. 
Um, again, they, they control the game early. Texans try to throw a little bit late, and we just don't see a lot of urgency from Cleveland into the fourth quarter. I got into this, and I got to watch the tape a little bit. Until the Browns actually blow out somebody, I'm going to think that it's right. not possible. Like, I have to see that first because their biggest wins last year were 14 points. One of those was Washington, where they were actually trailing in the fourth quarter. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go like 34-20, which I think was the score against Washington. Uh, maybe they race out to a big lead, and it just becomes a 14-point game at the end. But uh, there were a lot of games where we thought they were going to crush their opponent. I mean, Jacksonville, that was a two-point game last year. Um, so I'm going to say 34-20. So I guess that's the over and, and – uh, and they're covering, I guess. I'm going to say, listen, I've watched too much Tyrod Taylor in my life. And the fact that they scored as many points as they did last week is a miracle. Tyrod Taylor, I mean, like, it's 17 is the number for Tyrod Taylor. Like, if he gets to 17, that's your, you're about – that needle is full. You're, you're not going to be able to go too much past it for the most part. I'm saying 27 to 10 Browns. Like, I think it'll be just sort of a – there'll be some fireworks. There'll be some – you know, some trick plays, things to get those fans going a little bit early. I still think at times it's going to feel a little bit like that Giants game where the Browns just sort of know they're better, just take care of their business 27 to 10. Uh, they come away with the win. So I think that would be the under. Yeah. We're testing our math skills. Yeah, that would be 37. <laughs> so 27 10. But they cover. Mary Kay, what do you have? Um, I think 17 points is about what I think of too when I think of this Texans team. And when I think of um, Gerard Taylor, I'm going to go with the, um, with the over. I, I have the Browns somewhere in the 30s, the low 30s. So I'm going with the slight over. Um, and, yeah, I have them covering. Okay. There we go. Let's put Mary Kay down for 35 to – we've got to get her to the over. 35-13. How's that sound? My oh, score right. is thirty six thirteen. So now that feels like Mary Kay stole my score, even though you kind of made it up. <laughs> she just no, she just prices right at you. So. <laughs> One cent. <laughs> All right, I think that's everything. Browns and Texans home opener one o'clock on Sunday should be a fun atmosphere. Uh, should be very fun in the Muni lot. So everyone uh, who's going to the game, make sure you enjoy yourself. So we'll get into too much trouble before you get into those gates there, so you can actually enjoy that football game. Sunday. For Doug, Mary Kay, Ellison Scott, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.